All right. Welcome back to From 8 Arbitration. And uh, I've, I'm trying some different things to help with the sound quality. I just don't like the sound quality with my last few episodes. I think it's off. And Cole's attempted to help me with it. And uh, so I'm trying some different things. So hopefully the sound quality is a little bit better on this episode. <laughs> so um, got a new grievance of the month. The very first one. We're going to do that. A lot of reading. It's going to be a lot of reading, but it'll be uh, it'll be something some of you may not have heard about. Some of you have, but it's going to be the grievance of the month and um, my very first one. So I hope you like it. I'm going to touch on a few things before I start that. Um, kind of a salted peanuts type thing, some things that I've heard about. Discord, let's get that out of the way so I don't forget. Discord, remember to go to formatearbitration.com. Go to from 8arbitration.com, and it'll have a prompt for you on uh, that for Discord. And so get on Discord. I'm telling you, some great stuff going on on Discord, some really good stuff. Also, Reddit. Uh, get on Reddit. Some great things going on Reddit. Both of those things are growing by leaps and bounds, okay? So get on there and uh, Discord and Reddit. And I think you'll really enjoy that. Like I said, some great stuff going on on both of those things. And I can't thank those people enough for that. Uh, from arbitration.com, obviously, every episode Jeremy will put up, just like on this one, grievance starters, arbitration sites, the contract language. Uh, it'll be, if you go to arbitration.com, go to episodes, and everything I talk about, if it's a site, if it's contract language, that will be on that episode. He puts that on there, okay? So, it's going to be a busy week. There's a lot of snow coming in, so y'all be careful across uh, this country. It looks like we're fixing to get hammered with some snow. And so, y'all just be safe getting to work if you're going to work Tuesday. Got the holiday tomorrow. Uh, when y'all think of, if somebody was to say the word, Sorry, low-down bastard. Does somebody come to mind? I mean, if somebody would just say that. Say, man, you know a sorry, low-down bastard? <laughs> it's just somebody's, somebody's face come up when you say that. What about a, a sorry, chicken shit coward? Does somebody's face come up when somebody says that? I know that's a weird question. But some stuff has gotten back to me about... Somebody up up at National, Pony Boy, I'll just say that, uh, going into the CAU, Contract Administration Unit, up there at National, and chewing out the CAU thinking that somebody in there is leaking stuff to me and threatening their jobs and uh, threatening to send them back to carrying mail. That's just what's come back to me. It may be true, may not be true. But that's what I've heard from several people is that that sorry low-down son of a bitch has gone in and started threatening people, saying that whoever's talking to me, let me tell you something, man. Nobody's talking to me from the CAU. I don't know anybody in there. I've never heard from anybody in there. Nobody's ever sent me anything from in there. Um, and so for you to go in there and threaten somebody, not knowing what in the hell you're talking about, you're a sorry low-down son of a bitch. And that's how I feel. Uh, that's what we deal with with management here at work. People that threaten and bully and try to intimidate because of their position. You're no different than them if you're doing that to, one, to our people. 
I tell you, there's nothing lower than that. You're a cowardly motherfucker to me. And so I hope it's not true. I hope it's not true that you've gone in there to our people and threatened them, threatened their position, thinking that somebody's talking to me. Nobody's talking to me, you dumb shit. Uh, why don't you call me and talk to me about it rather than going there and threatening them? Uh, I know why you won't call me, because I'll tell you to kiss the four corners of this ass if you ever called me. Sorry, low-down son of a bitch. But I cannot stand a bully. I, I cannot stand it. And my dad taught me years and years ago how to deal with bullies. And uh, I've kept that with me. And, and I deal with bullies here at work through the post office with management. And that's the reason I said on day one when I'm business agent, we're going to go after bullies. That's what you have to do. You got to go after them. So on day one uh, of me being business agent, I'm going after the bullies in this region. You're no different if that's what you've done. If that's true, if it's not, then so be it. But uh, to go in there and threaten a group of people because you think they're talking to me, you're a piece of shit, man. You're a piece of shit. Um, but you can talk to me about it uh, wherever and whenever. We can address it, you know, like men, or we can mess some hair up if you want to. It don't matter to me, but I cannot stand a bully. Man, I cannot stand. The only thing worse than management is a snitch. And right there with a snitch is a bully. And uh, that's what you are, if that's what you did. And so that's something that's been crawling all over me for a long time. Because uh, several people have reached out to me telling me that that happened. I hope it didn't. I hope it didn't. I hope you're you're better than that. Uh, you know, just because you and your boss don't know what in the fuck y'all are doing up there, don't go after our people. That's my people. You know, that's my people. I'm I'm here for the city letter carrier only. But those people, most of them are city letter carriers, and they're up there, you know, trying to help us. So to go in there and try to intimidate them or threaten them, piece of shit. That's all you are, piece of shit. You know, I, I know that it's a different world up there. It's it's a different world at National. There's different rules that they play by. Um, a lot different than us down here on the floor. You know, even as an advocate, uh, I'll tell you this story. It's funny. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when I would do arbitrations back before I got blackballed, and I still do them here locally, so I'll talk about them. You know, because I do them here locally. My president said she ain't going to have nobody do them but me. And so I do them here locally. And uh, but uh, when I was going all over the South doing arbitrations, we were on fire, man. I was going to Lake Charles quite often, going down there with Mr. Bro, uh, AJ. And uh, so I left, I would leave about six in the morning and I would drive probably 10 hours to get down to Lake Charles and then AJ and I would meet when I got down there about five thirty or six and go over the case. And, uh, we would have talked before then, obviously about what was going on with the case file. And, um, there are generally the overtime grievances, you know, where he got to the thousand dollars per carry remedy. And so, uh, I'm headed down there one morning and, uh, I'd always stop and fill up with gas and, so impressed for time, right? Because you, you got to get moving. You got, you know, it's a long trip. 
and I drove everywhere. So on this one occasion, I'm driving and I stop at a shell station. I don't have time to stop anywhere and get breakfast like a drive through I'm, I'm hustling. And so for breakfast, I get a pack of peanut butter crackers and a mellow yellow. That's what I got for breakfast. So when I put that on my expenses for breakfast, uh, put down was like $2.70, put the receipt on there for the uh, pack of peanut butter crackers and a mellow yellow. And get my uh, expenses back, and they refused to pay the two dollars and seventy cents, saying that they don't provide snacks. That's what those motherfuckers said. So we don't buy snacks. I was like, "You sorry motherfuckers, you." <laughs> you know, that was my breakfast. It wasn't a fucking snack. And uh, so, uh, yeah, two dollars and seventy cents. They said we ain't gonna pay that back because we don't provide snacks. I was like, "You son of a bitches." Uh, another time, and this was really funny. I stopped. I'm, I went to Memphis a lot to do arbitrations in Jackson, and uh, so on the way back in Jackson, Tennessee, there's a buffet. Everybody goes to. It's called Casey Jones. Casey Jones buffet, fantastic buffet. So I stop there and get kind of a lunch supperish. You know, it's after arbitration. Takes about an hour to get up there from Memphis. So I stop and get uh, go to this buffet and eat, and I put that on my expenses. They denied that. <laughs> they said because you have to have an itemized receipt. I'm like, how in the fuck am I going to have an itemized receipt on a buffet? It's a fucking buffet. And so the next time, <laughs> and and if you ever see Manny Peralta, ask him if this is true. I'm coming back from Memphis. I stop at Casey Jones again because I love the buffet. It's one of the best ones around, it's a good southern buffet. And so I get the receipt. I put it on a huge piece of paper. And on the piece of paper, I give them an itemized receipt. I write on there, one helping of corn, one helping of green beans, one helping of mashed potatoes, three pieces of chicken, two glasses of sweet tea, the I put down there the waitress's name, uh, all the stuff one one helping of banana pudding. <laughs> so all of this stuff I'm putting on this piece of paper, writing it down. I send it in. The next week I get a phone call says national and I answer it and uh, the person on the phone says I need to speak with the smart ass, and I said you got him. He's like boy this is Manny Peralta. Now if y'all know me, you know I love Manny Peralta. I love him like a brother. I do. Uh, guys, been, been one of my biggest mentors, and and I would do anything for him. I love that guy. <laughs> so he's the one who taught me how to cuss. You know, I never cussed before I met Manny Peralta, and after him, uh, I cuss all the time. So it's uh, I thank him for it. But anyway, he he says, Corey, I have taken this piece of paper around to everybody up here and shown them this receipt. I said, you like that? He's like, we have laughed our asses off. I said, well, can I at least get fucking paid for it? <laughs> they did pay me for that one. So um, it's just a different world. Uh, I saw some receipts the other day talking about that with the snacks and then this here, that uh, the executive council went out to eat. And I've got these receipts, so, I mean, anybody can get them, right? And uh, one meal for the executive council. Now, there's 26 members of the executive council. 
$7,400, I think it was. And the next one, uh, $8,200. Okay. That's $320 per person to eat. Now, the place that they ate is a steakhouse, and it's it's a, a la carte. So it's a steakhouse, and the steaks were $85 a piece, uh, $78, you know, high-end steak. Now, hey, whatever, whatever's whatever, you know. That's what you want to spend, you know, up there at National, $320 a piece. Now, it could have been family members as well. I don't know. But three hundred twenty dollars a person, and my ass can't even get two hundred. I mean, two dollars and seventy cents by some fucking snacks. And so uh, it's just a different world. <laughs> it is. I heard the person got upset about me talking about uh, them working, and then their husband, who plays a clarinet and a rock band, uh, has a job up there as well. Uh, that is what it is. You know, you talk about transparency, I'm going to be transparent. Uh, I think they drive a, a Lincoln Aviator on uh, on the Postal Dime. I think we bought that. I'm not sure, but um, it's a different world. And so, hey, Lincoln Aviators and uh, $700,000 houses, our, our husband who played the piccolo in the local rock band, got a job up there, has never delivered a piece of mail, and uh, $100,000 salary. So. It's a different world, like I said, and uh, hey, it is what it is. But I thought that was funny that uh, that these motherfuckers denied me two dollars and seventy cents, and they're eating three hundred twenty dollar meals a piece up there. So maybe I'm doing, maybe I'm in the wrong gig. Maybe I do some something else. <laughs> but anyway, I thought those are some funny stories. But uh, back to the first thing I was talking about. Uh, I hope that that's not true um, because I love those people up there. I don't know anybody in CAU. I don't know one person. I've never heard from any of them. Nobody's ever sent me anything from the CAU. And so to go in there and threaten them, you know, saying that if anybody's sending me stuff, you're going to send them back to Karen Mail, you're a true piece of shit. Uh, a true coward is what you are, pony boy. And, uh, uh, you're a coward to the utmost percent, and uh, that's how I feel about you, if that's what you did. Uh, I wouldn't tolerate that if I was them, and, and y'all don't have to tolerate that. That's what I'd tell my carriers if a manager came in and did that same thing. I would tell them, we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to tolerate you coming in here and saying that. Uh, you're not going to threaten us. Just like I would tell my carriers, you're not going to threaten us on the workroom floor. You're not going to come in here and threaten me. Uh, take my job away. And like I said, you can kiss the four corners of this ass right here. And um, if you didn't like it, like I said, we can go mess some hair up if you want to. And uh, the problem with that is I'm bald, bitch. And so, you know, you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, don't threaten people. Don't threaten. Don't be a bully. Don't threaten ever, ever. I won't tolerate that. I will not tolerate that. And your boss shouldn't tolerate that. He should have put his foot square in your ass if he heard about that, um, for doing that. You, you be better. Be better than that. You're not going to be up there long, but while you're up there, be better than that. Okay? Good. All right. Another thing. Uh, red line policies and stationary events are roaring back. 
a lot of people talking to me about red line policy and stationary events. Uh, they're coming back big time. Uh, so get back and listen to those episodes on the red line policy. Uh, a lot of business agents don't know what it is, never heard of it, and uh, unfortunately. So uh, the business agents need to educate themselves. Tell them to come on to Formate Arbitration and listen. <laughs> don't do that. They don't like me. <laughs> but uh, they need to educate themselves so that they can educate their members. And a lot of business agents aren't very educated. And so the red line policy is coming back. Get back on those episodes. Find them. Refresh your stuff on that. And the stationary events. Now, unfortunately, we do not have a friend in the NELC with stationary events. And a lot of people are uneducated on that. Um, I'll read some stuff to you that I have saved about the stationary events and where the NELC is at, unfortunately. And so... One of the things uh, says uh, we had a quick stand-up today telling us they will be pulling carriers off the street and making them go back driver's training, should say go back to driver's training for excessive backing after three times. Uh, since when can we be disciplined for scanner data? They said it's from district. We're in the Atlanta district. Anyone else get this today? Uh, so they're they're watching us on the scanners with the scanner data. Now, that's not discipline when they say they're going to send you to, to refresher training. But after three times backing, which is based off of watching us on the street through the scanner, they're going to bring us back off the street and go to, to training. Uh, now, this one person said discipline is an official discussion, letter of warning, blah, blah, blah. Official discussion is not discipline, but also said, this sounds like they're going to offer some additional training based on data that may or may not be correct. Please, I'll take a day of driver training at full pay. Uh, that's missing the point. That's missing the point, saying that I'll take a, a day of driver training. They're watching us on the street with these scanners. That's what they're doing. They're doing street supervision with these scanners. And the NLC has missed that. Here's what somebody said. They put in the language of M39, 134.12, accompanying carriers on the street, and I'll read the language just a bit, and so they're talking about spying and using covert techniques. Here's what this person said. I filed that grievance, and the Step B team didn't back me up. They said it wasn't a street observation, and that they can do that. I spoke to our MBA about it. And he said that the executive council has discussed it, and that's how they feel about it. It's crazy to me. We've never agreed to be big-brothered. Uh, the NLC has completely missed the boat on this one, completely, when they're saying it's not street observations. Uh, and I'm going to read the language again to you in just a bit. Here's another thing somebody said. We got a talk today that some carriers are taking too long between relays. They said it should take us two to three minutes between relays. What's the standard if there is one? First off, there is no street standard. So uh, they're telling y'all that you're taking too long in between relays. Now, where'd they get that from? The scanner data. So they're watching us on the street. Now, if I'm doing a relay, is that a street function or an office function? I'm going to say that if I'm doing a relay, that's a street function, wouldn't you? 
if I was telling an arbitrator, we've got an office function and a street function. I have no street standards, so it doesn't matter. But relays are on the street. That's, that's street supervision. They're trying to circumvent that language with these scanners, and the NLC is backing them on that because of the dumbass memos signed by the dumbass president uh, with this stupid shit. And that's where all this is coming from when we when we agreed that they could watch us with these scanners. All hell's broken loose because of that dumb shit there. And so um, and here's another thing somebody put on. This is on the scanner. A lot of people sent me this. Reminder, if you take a lunch, you must move your truck at 29 minutes. District is watching stationary time carefully. At 30 minutes, your scanner must move. Move your truck, then organize your mail. Thanks. Let me read that again. Reminder, if you take a lunch, you must move your truck at 29 minutes. District is watching stationary time carefully. At 30 minutes, your scanner must move. Move your truck. What do you all think about that? Uh, and, and that's our fault. That's our fault. Because we have allowed, through these memos, us to be watched with these scanners, regardless of what it says on there about discipline or Article 16. We have opened Pandora's box with these memos and the stationary times. And, and like I said, we've been abused more based off of these memos than anything I can ever remember. And I've been doing this 30 years. Anything I can ever remember, we've been abused based off of shit off these memos. The dumb fuck who signed that, man, you, you I, I'm tired of saying you should know better because you shouldn't. You've not been a carrier for any period of time. You've not done a formal A for any period of time. You've not been on the floor to understand and realize what management does to us. You can say you do, but obviously you do not. With signing that stupid shit and putting that in those memos. Um, but you have allowed this to happen. And unfortunately, the executive council is behind it, uh, probably because the president said this is how we're going to do things. But I'm going to read the language to you again. This is probably the 50th time I've read this language on 134 of the M39 handbook. When you're talking about watching me on the street. Now, when am I at lunch? On the street. When am I doing relays? On the street. Right? Stationary events. On the street. Uh, so that is a street function, right? It's not office, street. Here's what it says, 134, street management. Okay, I can stop right there. I can stop right there because what does street management mean? That means you're managing me on the street, right? Street management, that's how you're going to deal with things on the street. Don't say office management. It says Street management. And for some reason, the NELC is too fucking stupid to understand that. Whoever says that that's not street observation, you, you, you've missed the point completely. You've missed the fucking point. They're watching us on the street with the scanners, with relays, with lunches, with anything dealing with backing. When they're talking about these backing events. That's street management. When you're dealing with things that I'm doing on the street, how in the fuck can we not grasp that? 
Who is the dumb shits that don't understand that? Let's read it. Objectives. 134.11. Greek management is a natural extension of office management. I'll read that again for the executive council who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground when it talks about this. Street management is a natural extension of office management. You know what that means? They're not the same. They're not the same. All carriers are to be notified to expect daily supervision on the street just as they receive daily supervision in the office. Now, when you're talking to me about lunch breaks, is that supervision? Huh? Are you supervising me when you're talking about backing? Is that you being the supervisor to me? Are you supervising me when you talk about backing or relays or lunch? Yes. Yes, you are. So that's incorporated right here. For a delivery manager to fully understand and control the organization, the manager must be aware of any conditions that affect delivery anywhere within the service territory. Now, when you say the manager must be aware of any conditions that affect delivery anywhere within the service territory, would you be talking about lunches? Would you be talking about backing? Would you be talking about relays? Would you be talking about stationary events of any kind? I think you would, right? If you're saying be aware of any conditions that affect delivery, I would say that that would uh, fall under that purview, wouldn't you? 134.12, accompanying carriers on the street. Now, I guess that the executive council is saying that accompanying carriers on the street is us having the scanner that the scanner accompanies us on the street and therefore management can look at that scanner and determine things that we're doing off that based off of scanner data. Is that what the executive council is saying? That because we have a scanner, that is basically management in our pocket or management in our holster or management in our bag. Is that what the executive council is saying? That management is accompanying us on the street with us having a scanner? If that's their position, they're dumber than I thought they were. They're dumber than I thought they were. Accompanying players on the street. That means get your lazy ass up out of your chair and come out there with me and watch. That's what that means. It doesn't mean watch my scanner. It's considered an essential responsibility of management and one of the manager's most important duties. Managers should act promptly correct improper conditions. A positive attitude must be maintained by the manager at all times. 134.13. Conservation of energy is most important, and street supervision must also be directed to achieve this objective. Supervisors must not permit unauthorized deviations from the route, engine idling, would that be stationary events to them? Maybe, possibly, right? For excessive periods, would that be stationary events? Wasteful driving habits and unauthorized or excessive vehicle stops and moves on park and loop routes. 134.2 techniques. 134.21. 
The manager must maintain an objective attitude in conducting street supervision and discharge this duty in an open and above-board manner. 134.22 The manager is not to spy or use other covert techniques. Any employee infractions are to be handled in accordance with the section in the current national agreement that deal with these problems. The manager is not to spy or use other covert techniques. Now, if a manager tells you that district is watching you, district is watching you on the street, would you, would you say that management is spying on us and using covert techniques? Do you think that district is out there watching you? No, they're not. They're watching you on a screen, overtly. Uh, that's spying. When you say you're backing, you had three backing instances, so you need to come in and do refresher training or driver training. Did they see you do the backing? No. They're basing that off of scanner data, right? That is spying. Using scanner data is a covert technique. That's how you said that I, or, or say that I was backing, is based off of a covert technique is how you found that. If you say that my relays are taking too long and district is watching, how do you know that? How do you know that I'm taking too long on my relays? Were you out there watching me? Were you accompanying me on the street to determine that? Or were you spying on me and using covert techniques? How in the fuck the NELC doesn't grasp that is beyond me. I told you I got it shoved up in me by my business agent on a case we would have easily won. But uh, if it weren't for the person that told us to ditch it at National. Um, but we had that easily won. And because of these stupid-ass scanners, uh, they they uh, withdrew that case. We would have we would have won that easily. Uh, but it's because of these memos. They're allowing this to happen. Uh, they can't have arbitrators saying that anything about the scanner, uh, because it would it would ruin this sorry ass son of a bitch who signed these memos legacy. I guess. But we're being ravaged right now because of it, because of stationary events, and we're not doing shit about it. Uh, like this cat said, his MBA said the executive council said they can do it, and the B team agreed with them. There is no other language in the contract that says that you can do what you're doing. There is no other language in the contract that gives them the right to do that. Article 3 does not give them the right to do that, where it says managers have the right to manage. <laughs> Article 3 does not give them the right to do that. Because their very own handbook, M39, Section 134, tells them how they will do things after I leave the office. Office time and street time are not the same. They are told clearly how they will handle things when I leave the office. When I am on the street, when I am on the street, it is spelled out crystal clear in 134 how you will handle me when I'm on the street. So, how they've buffaloed us. Just like they did with the cease and desist and the escalated monetary award, we have got the most cowardly individuals in charge right now. That management is kicking in the ass all the time. And I cannot wait 
until they're replaced so we can start attacking these things. I don't trust mine to do shit. I don't trust them to do a damn thing. And we got people getting ravaged right now. Our brothers and sisters are getting ravaged right now because of these stationary events. And it's coming back. It's coming back around. Uh, they're going to keep coming after us. And that's what I always say, man. I give them credit. I give management credit. They will not stop. They will never stop. Uh, so I give them credit for that. Um, I hate the motherfuckers myself. And I know a lot of them listen, and, and that's fine. And like I said, last time I said that, I said, y'all listen, I know that. Y'all are dishonest, low down, and sorry asses, man. I've never met anybody sorrier than than y'all, postal management. Y'all are the most dishonest individuals I've ever met in my life. Uh, had an arbitration the other day on a removal where management's advocate encouraged them to lie. Uh, and we know that because they tell us, you know, the, their witness came out and she told JB, I'm not lying. I'm not going to lie for them. That's what she said. But the others just lied their ass off uh, the whole way through it. And it's very difficult because you just have to, you got to catch them. And fortunately we could, but they will encourage their people to lie. The first thing I tell my witnesses is tell the truth. Even if you think it's going to damn your case, tell the truth. If you think about telling the truth, you're going to get fired, tell the truth. Don't ever be dishonest. Management is the exact opposite. They encourage their people to lie. They're deceitful, dishonest, despicable individuals. I wouldn't give you a nickel for a thousand of them. They're piss poor. And, um, and we let them do it. We're letting them do it with these stationary events. They're abusing my people, man, based off of stationary events. The language is crystal. It couldn't be any more clear how they're going to handle me on the street. And if I'm doing relays, if I'm doing lunch, if I'm doing backing or whatever, that is street functions. That's me on the street. And so you're going to manage me on the street. This tells you how to do it. Accompanying me on the, on the street. Nowhere does it say that you can do street management with a scanner. There's nothing in any handbook or manual that says that. Nothing. And so, so I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And we got buffoons like this guy saying, just go to the class. It'll be fun. Stupid as fuck. Dumb ass. Uh, you know, you, you, you let them get away with things and you keep letting them get away with things and let them get away with things. And you just shrug it off as, oh, well, man, they're management. They're stupid. That's what I'm talking about. A militant union. That's what we need. We need a militant union that constantly puts that foot in their ass. Uh, called the 8190. Constant. Uh, and like I said, day one, when I'm business agent, shit will change in this region. Shit will change. And um, there's a whole new ticket coming. Shit's going to change. Uh, the days of us getting kicked in our ass are coming to an end. I cannot stand it. I cannot stand it. Because uh, it's not how I was raised. Before I got this job, it wasn't how I was raised. That's not when I was at the jail. Shit, didn't, like that didn't happen. I didn't care what we was up against. And my dad taught me better. My mom taught me better than to cower down and get kicked in the ass. And it, I, it, it pisses me. <laughs> I can't stand it, man. I'm telling you. Just like that sorry ass pony boy telling the CAU that you know bullying them. God, I can't stand that, man. I wish that motherfucker would say that to me, man. Oh, shit. But anyway, let's get to the grievance of the month, and then I'll be off of here. That took too long.
going to be a lot of reading, okay? A lot of reading. i got a site for you. Um, got this language here that uh, they sent me. We're going to deal with the 39-hour the report, ETF maximization, all right? Uh, does that get you excited? But it's this is what the grievance of the month is going to be. It's going to be things that probably we haven't dealt with a lot. And I like that idea. I, I love that idea. I don't like it. I love that idea. Things that we haven't dealt with a whole lot uh, that are unusual, and but will reap benefits. Uh, you'll you'll see the fruits of your labor here, and I believe this is one of them. Um, and so we're going to read a little bit, and I apologize. You know how I feel about that, but uh, it's going to be a good little episode. I think the the twenty nine hour report. Uh, ETF maximization, and I do believe that this is something that will reap benefits in some of these offices, uh, getting some people uh, converted, all right? Uh, and Jeremy's going to put every bit of this up on from 8arbitration.com on this episode. So when you get on there, you scroll down to episodes, uh, he's going to put all of this on there, all right? And so this, I believe this will really help you. 73C, 73C, C, a part-time flexible employee working eight hours within 10 on the same five days each week and the same assignment over a six-month period will demonstrate the need for converting the assignment to a full-time position. I'm going to read that again and listen to these numbers. Uh, it, it's simplistic, but yet when if you don't listen to it that way, it's very confusing. It's very simplistic, okay? Do not overthink this language, all right? The a part-time flexible PTF employee working eight hours within 10 on the same five days each week and the same assignment over a six-month period will demonstrate the need for converting the assignment to a full-time position. Demonstration of regular schedule and assignment. Okay, so if you're saying, what are you talking about? We'll demonstrate the need or when they say in the same assignment over a six-month period. They're going to define it. Demonstration of regular schedule and assignment. A PTF carrier working a regular schedule, meeting the criteria of Article 73C, which I just read, on the same assignment for six months, demonstrates the need to convert the duties to a full-time assignment. The six months must be continuous. Got a step for M1069. M1069, and I got a good arbitration site for you, okay, when we're talking about this. The six months must be continuous. Time spent on approved paid leave does not constitute an interruption of the six-month period. I'm going to read that again because that's crucial, and that's what this arbitration site is talking about, okay? Time spent on approved paid leave does not constitute an interruption of the six-month period except where the leave is used solely for purposes of rounding out the work week when the employee otherwise would not have worked. There's a step for M913. For the purposes of Article 73C, a part-time flexible employee not working all or part of a holiday or observed holiday, as defined in Article 11, does not constitute an interruption in the six-month period. Where the local memorandum of understanding, or LMOU, provides for rotating days off, the PTF employee who works the same rotating schedule, eight hours within 10, 
five days each week on the same uninterrupted temporarily vacant duty assignment over a six-month period has met the criteria of Article 73C of the National Agreement. That's M1398. Now, a lot of M documents, so if y'all got your pen and pad, write them down, okay? You got M1069, M913, and M1398, all right? National Arbitrator Mittenthal held in case number 5070, it's C05070, C05070, that time spent by PTF on an assignment opted for under the provisions of Article 41, Article 41 2B, counts toward meeting these maximization criteria. However, the provisions of Article 73C will be applied to an uninterrupted temporary vacant duty assignment only once. And that's M1398. Article 73C applies to all installations regardless of size. And that's M1032. In addition to the maximization language found in Article 73A of staffing an 88% full-time workforce and 200 or more workier offices, the Postal Service must convert PTF carriers to full-time flexible positions when these conditions are met. Additionally, a maximization MOU found on JCAM page 724 states, Memorandum of Understanding between the United States Postal Service and National Association of Letter Carriers, AFL-CIO, regarding maximization full-time flexible NALC. Where a part-time flexible has performed letter carrier duties in an installation at least 40 hours a week, 8 within 9 or 8 within 10 as applicable, five days a week over a period of six months, excluding the duration of seasonal periods on seasonal routes, defined in Article 41, Section 3R of the National Agreement, the senior part-time flexible shall be converted to full-time carrier status. This criteria shall be applied to postal installations with 125 or more man years of employment. It is further understood that part-time flexibles converted to full-time under this criteria will have flexible reporting times, flexible non-scheduled days, and flexible reporting locations within the installation depending upon operational requirements as, as established on the preceding Wednesday. The parties will implement this in accordance with their past practice date July 21, 1987. This establishes that a different criteria exists for postal installations of 125 or more man years of employment. Working on any assignment for at least 40 hours a week over a period of six months would qualify for conversion of the senior PTF for a full-time flexible position. The conversion to full-time flexible creates many benefits to the employee. Chief among those is increased salary, paid holidays, leave accrual, and advancement of leave, and the opportunity to design overtime lists and assume different priority in holiday scheduling. Ancillary benefits include different quotas of employee leave for an office or installation based on LMOU language. JCAM page 726 outlines responsibilities of the USPS and NELC to branches in 125 or more work year offices. The JCAM states in relevant part. 39-hour report. Every paper... Now listen, listen to this. I guarantee you most of y'all this ain't happening. Okay? 39-hour report. 
Every pay period, the Postal Service provides the NLC with a report that lists the names of PTF City letter carriers who have worked 39 hours or more during each service week during the previous six months in offices with 125 or more work years. This report is distributed by the NLC to its branches through its regional offices. It is designed to make it unnecessary for shop stewards to regularly request timekeeping data to monitor the maximization memorandum. If a name is listed in an installation, it does not automatically result in the conversion of the senior PTF to full-time flexible the installation. Local management may examine the work hours of the listed PTF to determine if all the criteria of the memorandum has been met. In order for the hours worked to meet those criteria, the hours worked must be 8 hours within 9 or 8 hours within 10, based on the size of the office. Worked over 5 days of the service week, not 6 or 7. Not during seasonal periods on a seasonal route and worked in the performance of city letter care craft duties. Local management may also review the actual number of hours worked each day and week of the six-month period. By tracking of 39 hours rather than 40 hours each service week, the parties recognize that a conversion should be made if the PTF missed the 40 hours by only minutes on a day or days during the service week. In addition, local management may examine whether approved leave was used solely to reach the triggering level of hours worked during any of the service weeks during the six-month period. If there is no dispute that all these criteria have been met, then the senior part-time flexible employee, not necessarily the part-time flexible employee listed on the report, shall be converted to full-time flexible city letter care status in the installation. In such cases, there is no need for the union to request additional timekeeping data or conduct any additional investigation. However, if local management asserts that an employee listed in the report did not meet all of those conversion criteria discussed above, the union should be given the data which management relied upon to make the decision. The union is not precluded from disputing local management's decisions through the grievance procedure. This process has been developed by the national parties to avoid grievances and cumbersome exchanges of information requests and rebuttal on the issue. Focus on the exchange of information and ensure that the intent of the national parties is determined at the local level. This JCAM language contains two important provisions, the entitlement to notification of potentially qualifying PTF employees via the 39-hour report, make sure you are getting that, the 39-hour report, and the criteria for which management may contest the conversion in 125 or more work year office. The criteria needed to be met for the conversion of a PTF to an FTF position are, one, 39 hours or more worked each week over a six-month period, eight hours within nine, 125 or more work year office, or eight hours within 10, 200 or more work year offices. Two, the hours worked must be over five days of the service week, not six or seven. The hours are not during seasonal periods of a seasonal route. Four, the hours worked are in performance of city letter care craft duties. Five, time spent on approved leave does not constitute an interruption of the six-month period, except where the leave is used solely for the purpose of rounding out the work week when the employee would not have otherwise worked. Six, not working a holiday or a designated holiday does not constitute an interruption in the six-month period. 
The 39-hour report generated by the Postal Service provides acknowledgement that criteria one and two above have been met. The onus will be placed upon the service to determine that the assignment worked was seasonal, that leave was improperly used, or that work was performed outside of the carrier craft. The argument of leave usage can be addressed through carrier statements that leave was used for illness in the case of sick leave or for rest or recreation purposes for annual leave. Did y'all hear that? Or for rest or recreational purposes for annual leave. We don't have to send in all this stuff that we had to go on a cruise or everything like that. Uh, it says for rest or recreational purposes for annual leave. Additionally, blocks of time did not exactly reach the 39-hour requirement would be evidence that the intent in taking leave was not to solely reach this threshold. The situation anticipated is if a carrier works six hours in a service day but would need the seventh hour to qualify for a 39-hour work week and has put in for one hour of leave to achieve that full work week. That would be considered an improper interruption of the six-month period. A carrier putting in for a day of sick or annual leave would, who otherwise was four out of the five necessary qualifying days of hours during the work week would not constitute an interruption of the six-month period. The steward in this case could make one of the two equally compelling arguments, either that the week should be counted as a, a qualifying week, even though the 39-hour threshold was not met, or that the week should be disc discounted from consideration but would not break the consecutive week count in the six-month period. If the weekly hours worked as consistent and qualifying in the weeks after the calendar six-month period, the latter argument would carry more weight. The JCAM specifically outlines the requirement for the Postal Service to provide branches through the regional offices with a 39-hour report listing qualifying PTF employees every pay period. The JCAM goes on to state that this requirement has been developed by the national parties to avoid grievances and cumbersome exchange of information requests and rebuttal on the issue. The union provides a spreadsheet showing here XXX has reached the 39-hour threshold for a six-month period. The union has not received a 39-hour report as required. The NELC local branch representative believes that the national parties have not recognized that pursuant to May 24th of 2022, MOU regarding direct-to-PTF hiring, M19886, and subsequent additions to the original qualifying installations the 39-hour report remains a contractual obligation. There are currently 380 delivery bid clusters that are 125 or more work-year offices for the current contractual period. See the chart. Over 4,000 PTF positions have been created since May 24th of 2022. Memorandum was put into effect. Many of those PTFs have been working in the 380 qualifying bid cluster areas and have been employed as PTF employees in excess of six months. If there is a disconnect where the 39-hour reports are not being provided as required, many of these employees may very well qualify for full-time carrier status. And the person who sent me this said that when they got this report, numerous PTS were converted because they had met that threshold. Additionally, even if 39-hour reports are being provided, it would be prudent for branches with potential conversion candidates to create a spreadsheet to tabulate hours worked and leave taken so as to certain, be certain that the six-month qualifying period 
is not improperly interrupted by leave usage or holidays. The Postal Service may discount weeks where leave usage or holidays took place and would thus fail to generate a 39-hour report as required. And I wouldn't put it past management to try to fuck us out of that either. Uh, like where it says that the Postal Service may discount weeks where leave usage or holidays took place and would thus fail to generate a 39-hour report as required. Any grievance for this issue should cite a violation of Article 7 for the language found in the JCAM 39-hour report obligation, as well as Article 19 to include the pertinent MOUs discussed. Remedy should be for all lost wages and benefits to include lost overtime opportunities, lost holiday pay, and immediate conversion to full-time employee status. A separate grievance should be filed if PTF carriers are improperly used in other crafts to circumvent meeting the requirements under the provision, such as rule carriers. This is a dangerous and often overlooked harm when management assigns PTS to rural delivery for extra hours or needs of the service. And that's what I just said. And so there's that. That will be up. Jeremy will put that up for you. Okay. Uh, I have this. Pulled this off of contract talk. April 2022. PTF maximization. Upon ratification of the 2019-2023 National Agreement, the Postal Service and NELC agreed to a new memorandum of understanding MOU regarding city carrier assistance conversions to career status. The MOU provides automatic conversion to careers for city carrier assistance, CCA, who have been not been converted to career status by the time they reach 24 months of relative standing in their installation. The agreement ensures that these employees will now be converted to part-time flexible career status in their installation. Rather than continuing as non-career employees, this automatic conversion after reaching 24 months of relative standing will take place in every size office throughout the country, providing additional rights and benefits as well as peace of mind to non-career carriers. As a result of this new 24-month automatic conversion, many offices have seen the return of PTF letter carriers. The first conversions under the MOU took place on May 8th of 2021. So this is a good time to check whether PTFs have met two separate maximization provisions that apply to the size of office where these PTFs work. These maximization provisions are in addition to the requirement to promote PTS to full-time status in accordance with the Memorandum of Understanding, MOU, regarding full-time regular opportunities, city letter carrier craft found on pages 161 through 165 of the 2019-2023 National Agreement. For an explanation of this MOU, please see Director of City Delivery Christopher Jackson's article in October 2017 edition of the Postal Record. Article 7, Section 3C states, A part-time flexible employee working eight hours within ten on the same five days each week and the same assignment over a six-month period will demonstrate the need for converting the assignment to a full-time position. This provision applies to all offices, regardless of size. It requires the establishment of an additional full-time position if the qualifying conditions are met. The July 2014 Joint Contract Administration Manual provides the following explanation of this provision on page 737. Demonstration of regularly scheduled and assignment. A PTF care working a regularly scheduled meeting the criteria of Article 73C on the same assignment for six months demonstrates the need to convert the duties to a full-time assignment. The six months must be continuous. Step four, 
1069. Time spent on approved paid leave does not constitute an interruption of the six-month period, except where the leave is used solely for purposes of rounding out the work week when the employee otherwise would not have worked. Step 4, 913. For the purposes of Article 73C, a part-time flexible employee not working all or part of a holiday or observed holiday, as defined in Article 11, does not constitute an interruption in the six-month period. Where the local memorandum of understanding provides rotating days off, a PTF employee who works the same rotating schedule, eight hours within 10, five days each week on the same uninterrupted temporarily vacant duty assignment over a six-month period, has met the criteria of Article 73C of the National Agreement. That's Step 4, 1398. National Arbitrator Mittenthal held, and that's the decision I uh, cited earlier, C05070, C05070, that time spent by PTF on an assignment opted for under the provisions of Article 41, Article 41.2b, counts toward meeting these maximization criteria. However, the provisions of Article 73C will be applied to an uninterrupted temporary vacant duty assignment only once. That's M1398. The MOU regarding maximization full-time flexible NELC found on pages 738 of the Jake, July 2014 JCAM provides the following. Where a part-time flexible is performed letter-carried duties in an installation at least 40 hours a week, eight within nine or eight within 10 as applicable, five days a week or over a period of six months, excluding the duration of seasonal periods on seasonal routes, defined in Article 41, Section 3R of the National Agreement. The senior part-time flexible shall be converted to full-time carrier status. This criteria shall be applied to postal installations with 125 or more man years of employment. It is further understood that part-time flexibles converted to full-time under this criteria will have flexible reporting times, flexible scheduled days, flexible non-scheduled days, and flexible reporting locations within the installation depending on the operational requirements as established on the preceding Wednesday. The parties will implement this in accordance with their past practice. The July 2014 JCAM explains the application of this MOU on pages 740. This specific maximization obligation is similar to that of Article 73C, but is because it is triggered by PTF care working a relatively regular schedule over a six-month period. However, while Article 73C requires work on the same assignment, this memorandum requires only that the PTF carrier be performing letter carrier duties of any kind. Every pay period, USPS provides NELC with a report that lists the names of PTF city letter carriers who have worked 39 or more work hours during each service week throughout the previous six months in offices with 125 or more work years. This report is distributed by NELC to its branches throughout its regional offices. It is designated to make it unnecessary for shop stewards to regularly request timekeeping data to monitor the maximization memorandum. If a name is listed in an installation, it does not automatically result in the conversion of the senior PTF to full-time flexible in that installation. Local management may examine the work hours of the listed PTF to determine if all the criteria of the memorandum has been met. For the hours worked to meet those criteria, the hours worked must be eight hours within nine, 
eight hours within 10, based on the size of the office, worked over five days of the service week, not six or seven, not during seasonal periods on a seasonal route, and worked in the performance of city letter carrier craft duties. It is important to note that this full-time flexible maximization provision applies only to the offices of 125 work years or more. If shop stewards and NELC representatives believe that a PTF may have met the criteria of either of the maximization provisions explained above, they should review the tax employee everything reports for PTS to determine whether they have indeed been met. If the criteria are met and management doesn't take the appropriate action, agreement should be filed citing a violation of the appropriate provisions explained above. And so there's that. And then I have a grievance starter that Jeremy's going to put up for you. We're going to do all the work for you right here. Right here from A to arbitration, all right? <laughs> so uh, it's a grievance starter for you. And it says, issue statement, did management violate Article 7 of the National Agreement and full-time flexible memorandum of understanding by failing to convert the senior PTF to full-time uh, to FTF status in a timely manner? And if so, what should the remedy be? And then it's got facts, PTF letter carriers, so-and-so is are the senior PTF letter carriers in the station. Uh, the union has provided tax employee everything reports. Uh, the union created a chart showing the hours worked on a daily basis by the PTF. And it's got contentions in the Joint Contract Administration Manual. JCAM, the following language appears in the full-time flexible memorandum signed July 24th of 1987. Regarding maximization full-time flexible NELC. Where a part-time flexible has performed letter carrier duties in an installation at least 40 hours a week, eight within nine or eight within 10 as applicable five days a week over a period of six months, excluding the duration of seasonal periods on seasonal routes defined in article 41, section three R of the national agreement. The senior part-time flexible shall be converted to full-time carrier status. This criteria shall be applied to postal installations with 125 or more workman years of employment. It is further understood that part-time flexibles converted to full-time under this criteria will have flexible reporting times, flexible non-scheduled days, and flexible reporting locations within the installation depending upon operational requirements as established on the preceding Wednesday. The parties will implement this in accordance with their past practice. Number two, letter carrier so-and-so has met the criteria outlined in the FTF MOU quoted above. Three, the following language appears in the JCAM concerning potential conversions to FTF. By tracking of 39 hours rather than 40 hours each service week, the parties recognize that a conversion should be made if the PTF missed the 40 hours by only minutes on a day or days during the service week. In addition, local management may examine whether approved leave was used solely to reach the triggering level of hours worked during any of the service weeks during the six-month period. The above language states that management may examine whether approvably was used solely to reach the triggering number of hours. The word solely is defined as only for nothing other than. This means that the leave would have had to have been used for nothing other than to trigger the number of hours needed to meet the criteria in the FTF MOU. And that's that's a great contention right there. Uh I'll read that again. The above language states that management may examine whether the approved leave was used solely to 
to reach the triggering number of hours. And the word solely is defined as follows, only for nothing other than. This means that the leave would have been had to have been used for nothing other than to trigger the number of hours needed to meet the criteria in the FTF memo. Five, all leave used by PTF letter carrier so-and-so was used for either recreational or personal reasons or incapacitation or undergoing medical or dental treatment. All annual leave and sick leave requests were approved in advance. Six, the union has provided copies of the PS Forms 3971 used by letter carrier so-and-so to request annual leave and sick leave. The chart below was created by the union to examine these annual leave sick leave requests. Just got a little chart for you. Seven, there was no leave taken during the six-month period covered by this grievance that would cause an interruption of the six-month qualifying period under the maximization full-time flexible NALC MOU. Eight, letter carrier should have been converted to FTS status no later than, gives the date, as a full-time employee. Letter carrier so-and-so should have been paid for all holidays thereafter. It has the remedy. One, the senior PTF letter carrier in this installation be immediately converted to full-time flexible. Two, letter carrier so-and-so be given the opportunity to sign or decline to sign the overtime desire list of the current quarter upon conversion. Three, letter carrier so-and-so be paid a lump sum of eight hours holiday pay for each holiday that occurred between the date the conversion to FTF should have been made and the date of actual conversion period just resolved. And any other remedy the step your arbitrator deems appropriate. Uh, it's got a request for information in here as well. Copies of tax employee everything reports for PTF letter carrier so-and-so for this uh, date and uh, period. Uh, two copies of any and all PS form 3971s for all leave used by PTF letter carrier so-and-so for the periods dated there. PS form 3972 for the last two calendar years for the PTF letter carrier. Uh, four, current letter carrier seniority roster for this station post office. Also requesting time to interview the carrier. It's got a request for steward time. And then it's got your chart. When it's talking about they have a chart there, it's got your chart. Week one, all the way down to week 26. Pay period week, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it's got your chart on there. Uh, so that grievance start is very good. That will be on the episode as well. And I've got an arbitration site. It's just something that you can put in your case file. It's uh, 29852. 29852 is uh, Arbitrator Herbs. And uh, we were represented by Mr. David Miller. Okay. And this was from 2012. Uh, it says the grievance is sustained. D. Martinez met the maximization requirement of Article 7. The senior PTF shall be converted to full-time flexible as quickly as administratively possible. And then I'll read his decision, the discussion, okay? And if you want to read the whole thing, it's going to be up on formatearbitration.com as well. If you want to read our position and management's position, but I'm not going to do that because it's already an hour and 10 minutes in. Discussion. The parties have essentially agreed that the facts in the case are basically undisputed. PTF Martinez met the maximization requirements or criteria as established in Article 7 for the six uh, months between pay period three, week two, through pay period 16, week two, in 2010, except for the dispute as to one day in week two of pay period 12, management argues that the annual leave request by Martinez, which was only approved for 6.09 hours instead of eight hours, 
constituted a break in the continuous work requirement of Article 73C. Management argues that Martinez did not work on the day in question as a TE worked, which means there was an interruption in the continuous assignment of PTF Martinez. Despite the TE working those hours, management, in its brief, ably argues that it made every effort to ensure that PTF employees were utilized prior to assigning any such work to TEs. The arbitrator agrees with that contention and notes the union does not attempt to rebut that argument in any respect. The facts clearly establish that FPTF Martinez, in all weeks other than week two of pay period 12, was utilized by management prior to any work being assigned to the TE. The arbitrator further recognized that on June 4th of 2010, the TEs worked and Martinez did not. The assignment of the TEs to perform the work on that day was not an attempt by management to interrupt Martinez's continuous six-month work cycle required for maximization of a PTF. That finding, however, does not resolve the issue that is presented. What management is overlooking is that Martinez, prior to June 4th of 2010, requested annual leave. Supervisor Hodges acknowledged that when his, this request was approved, Martinez was therefore not scheduled to work. The failure to schedule her was not because there was not work to be performed, but was solely because the leave request by Martinez had previously been approved. Admittedly, the 204B only entered 6.09 hours as approved leave because there is no record, however, as to whether Martinez was ever advised of that decision. More importantly, the parties have entered into the record settlements M1047 and M913. These settlements state that leave, which obviously would include annual leave, which has been approved, will be counted toward the hours requirement and does not constitute an interruption of the six-month assignment, provided the leave is not taken solely to achieve full-time status nor to round out the work week. Here there is no contention from management the annual leave was taken solely to achieve full-time status nor to round out the work week, nor would the facts support such a contention even if it had been made. The leave was requested several weeks before the end of the six-month continuous work cycle. Neither Martinez nor even management could know for sure whether she would be scheduled to work during the last six months of the six-month period. There is absolutely no proof that the leave was taken solely to achieve full-time status nor to round out the work week. All other provisions of Article 7 as, it's, as to the criteria necessary for maximization of the senior PTF have been met other than that glitch due to the desire of Martinez to take earned annual leave. Arbitrator Diltz, in a somewhat analogous case involving a holiday during the applicable six-month maximization period, had this to say. Further, it is clear that the party's mutual intent was for the six months of five days and 40 hours on the same assignment be interrupted as the need for conversion to a full-time assignment. This is not a matter of seconds or even a single holiday in a six-month period. The quantum of work for conversion is what the parties contemplated, not technical timekeeping differences, which do not substantively belie the underlying need for conversion. If the assignment is consistent, is delineated by the parties' agreement to memorialize by the words of Article 73C, then this arbitrator has no authority to set aside their agreement on a mere unanticipated technicality. 
There is no doubt that in retrospect, PTF Martinez would have worked the assignment over a six-month period except for her request for annual leave. Management, in the absence of Martinez, worked the TEs. The work of the assignment was there to be performed. The annual leave was requested was eight hours. The annual leave that was authorized was 6.09 hours. The only reason only 6.9 hours was authorized rather than eight as requested was because Martinez had worked overtime. Martinez worked overtime to accommodate the Postal Service workload. If she had not worked the overtime, the Postal Service essentially has conceded she would have met the maximization criteria. The JCAM reflects an apparent similar position that these technicalities should not detract from the intent of maximization where it states a PTF not working all or part of a holiday or observed holiday does not constitute an interruption in the six-month period. As arbitrator Dilt stated, the quantum of work was there on the assignment as demonstrated by the T's performing the work in the absence of Martinez. To allege the overtime Martinez worked as an interruption in the continuous nature of this assignment would be absurd, nonsensical, and not supported by the contract nor the handbooks, as stated by arbitrator Lurie. The fundamental rule of contract interpretation is that a contract should be given the interpretation which will best effectuate the intent of the parties. Where that intention is clearly and unambiguously expressed, there is no need for interpretation. But where the literal application of the terms of the agreement will yield the, an arbitrary result unrelated to the manifest purpose of the entirety of the provision, then the silence of the agreement on the subject matter producing that arbitrary result is the proper subject of interpretation. The quotation above was in a case which also involved a holiday, but can similarly apply to the approved annual leave request here specifically, M1047 and M913 specifically state that leave will be counted towards the requirement for maximization. As previously indicated, management is not to be faulted for scheduling a TE on June 4th to work the hours when Martinez would have worked. Management did comply with their responsibilities to use the PTFs instead of TEs. However, that assignment does not show that, but for the approved annual leave of Martinez, she would have worked those hours instead of the TEs. Based upon the record that has been presented, the arbitrator finds that the union has demonstrated the need to convert the senior PTF to a full-time flexible ruling. The grievance is sustained. The senior PTS shall be converted to full-time flexible as quickly as administratively possible. The union has stated that there is no request for a monetary remedy, so none is provided, and it's signed. And so there you have it, uh, 39-hour report, maximization. Uh, I, I thought that that was a very good first grievance of the month. I did. I want them to be like that. Things that we normally don't deal with. The 39-hour report. How many of y'all knew that there was one? Uh, so hopefully, going over that language, and I wanted to be redundant, and that's the reason I pulled some other stuff up, and to, to be redundant with that language so that it will get into your head when you hear things, uh, when you go over things over and over again. A lot of times in arbitration, you'll hear me go over the things over and over again, the same points to the arbitrator. I'll hit it several times. I want the arbitrator to hear that over and over again. And so that will drive that point home. I'm bad about that or good about that, whichever one you want to say. And so there you have it, a very good, I like that. 
Very good first grievance of the month. Very good. And so all of that will be on from aidarbitration.com. Get on there and pull it up. And let's see if we can't make some people regular. All right. Let's, let's get some people out of that PTS status. All right. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed that. And we'll do that, like I said, we'll have a grievance of the month. Now, I'll do other training, obviously, but a full-on grievance like that, even have your grievance starter, uh, I love that. I thought that was really good, and I appreciate that person sending that to me. Um, he's very knowledgeable. And so uh, there you have it. There's another episode of From Made Arbitration. How's that? <laughs> Went off a little bit at the beginning. Uh, and I don't apologize for that. Y'all know me by now. I don't apologize for anything that I say, especially to, to a bully, especially to a bully. Can't stand it. I really can't. I can't stand it. But, man, y'all be safe out there. It's snowing as I speak. I can see it out the window. It's snowing. It's going to be a rough week for us, and uh, y'all be safe out there. Please, please be safe. And I will talk to y'all next Sunday. I'm hoping to have a special guest. Uh, next Sunday. I'm hoping to have a special guest, see if I can get that worked out. I have to get back with Cole, see if I can get this person on here to talk to y'all. He's been wanting to get on for a while and uh, me with the move and everything has kind of put that off, but hopefully have a special guest next week. All right. And if not, if that doesn't work out, uh, we'll do something if it's wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk to y'all later. Thank y'all so much for the love y'all show from Made Arbitration, man. Uh, we're just getting started. We're just getting started on this. Uh, I love being a thorn in people's side, whoever it is. I just do. If you're not uh, for me, you're against me. And I feel that way as a city letter carrier. I really do. Uh, I'm coming 100% from the perspective of city letter carrier because that is what I am as a city letter carrier. I work for my union doing things, advocacy, and used to train stuff before I got blackballed. But um, 100% as a city letter carrier. And so if you're not for me, you're against me. And that's either side. That's either side, right? And so, like I always say, I got the same foot for either one of them, whoever wants it. And we'll give it to them freely and with abundance, all right? So y'all have a fantastic week. Please be safe. Please be safe. I love each and every one of you dearly. I do. I love you. And I'll talk to y'all next Sunday. All right.